Previously on Algoa FM Breakfast. Algoa FM Breakfast with Wanley and Charlie T. This is Christian Heath. It is called Because of You. It is Wednesday morning, 8.19 right now. Uh, a good friend to the station, a good friend to the country as well. And it's really nice that he's able to visit us while he is in the city at the moment. Um, we are joined in the studio this morning. Dr. Imtia uh, Suleiman, the founder and CEO of Gift of the Givers, joins us on Algoa FM Breakfast this morning. Good morning, sir. Welcome back. Good morning to you, Wayne, and good morning to all the residents of the city. Great being here again. I feel like Dr. Imtiaz uh, needs like an entrance song. If you were to step out on stage and you had the option of choosing an entrance song. Oh, I'm not much into music, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I mean, maybe we could choose one for you. We are playing Queen in a little bit, you know, Freddie Mercury. Yes, actually, I, I, saw, I saw his house in Tanzania. Oh, wow. It's, it's a tourist attraction in, 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 in Tanzania. His childhood yeah. home. He's yes. born, he was oh, born wow. there. Yeah. Yeah. Freddie oh, Burzara wow. when he was born. But that's yeah. not his right name. Freddie Burzara. Yeah, yeah. That's yes, the, that's that's the yeah. real name. Yes, yes. Freddie Mercury is the stage yes. name. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, welcome to So you to do Al-Kay. know a bit yeah, about music. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? I don't know much about music, but the man was in Zanzibar. Yes, and that's not his real name. <laughs> in Tanzania. Uh, firstly, let's touch on, uh, we'll get to exactly why you're here this morning. Um, however, yesterday was Mandela Day. You were involved in a lot of projects uh, within the city and also out of the city. You just want to touch on some of the initiatives that uh, Gift of the Givers was involved of, evolved in rather for Mandela Day yesterday. Well, it's to us, you know, Mandela Day is every day. We don't have a specific project that we do on Mandela Day. You know, we stopped that years ago. It, it, our project may overlap into Mandela Day because my teams are exhausted. If you take from the beginning of the year, we got involved in uh, the, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, not related to South Africa, but it was there. And then we got involved in Kakamas, you know, and Kemos. One had floods, one had heat, the, the stroke, dehydration and heat stroke, and people died. Mm. And then came, whilst we were busy now, there's a lot of hunger with animals with no water in the Northern Cape. We're sending truckloads of fodder and fortified pallets in the area to save sheep, to save farms, to save jobs. And then, of course, came the big floods in Western Cape. You were involved with the floods. We covered more than 80 areas of distribution, you know, in 14 days. And whilst we were doing that, we got hit with Haman's crowd with the cholera issue. And we got involved there. And from there, we got caught that Freda Fort was in trouble. So we went to Freda Fort in the Free State. And then came the Northern Cape floods. And in between that, we had tons of fires in, 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 in Cape Town, which is so common for fires this part of the year. And we had a couple of fires in, in KZN. We had a huge fire on Sunday night as part of Mandela Day in Kennedy Road in formal settlement. More than a thousand shacks burned down. So we were involved there. And then uh, on, in the week, weekend, um, with Theodore Herzl School, Corinne did, uh, uh, my colleague in the studio, did a project with, the, they, every year they do the 67 blankets for Mandela. Uh, Theodore Hitzel, you say, yes, Theodore yeah. So Caroline Stain, as part of that foundation, I think Stain Foundation, you know, brought, uh, mm. they gave the blankets to us, and then Corinne did the distribution at an old age home. But the big project is today for the city and for Mandela Day itself. We did something with the JSE, you know, they collect, collect sorted out food parcels for Eldorado Park. So that was a big project. And then we've done other distributions all over the country. But the real big project for us for Manila Day is today in the city. What is that? A few months ago, Estelle Ellis from Daily Maverick wrote about the shortage of wheelchairs in the province. And through research and investigation and questioning, we found there's a shortage of more than 5,000 wheelchairs in this province. Gift of the Givers have been doing wheelchair distribution for a long time. But we decided to launch today what a thousand wheelchairs to help to create, ease that burden. You know, it's a very simple thing. 
but the mental, the psychological impact that a, a lack of a wheelchair makes on a family, yeah. it breaks the soul of the person who doesn't have the wheelchair because the person feels, besides not being able to do anything for him or herself, is a huge burden to the family. Yeah. Because sometimes you need three to four people to carry the person, to take them to a private thing like the bathroom or yeah. to shower, to go to eat at the table, to go outside to get some fresh air or to get on and off the bed, simply because you don't have a wheelchair. And every recipient we've given a wheelchair, without a fail, the recipient and the family cries out of joy for something that's it's so life cheap. Changing. It's life changing. Mm. And it, it increases productivity. People don't get stuck with you know person. People the person feels empowered, independent, can move on their own. So, you know, we appreciate that write up and symbolically fifty people will in Mission Vale Care Center will get that wheelchair those wheelchairs today. Although we started rolling it out already. But just symbolically for one day other day we're doing it today mm. in the city. That's incredible. Thank you for that. Sure. That is incredible. Um, and, and I mean, you, you, there's a lot of messages that go out often every day. Gift of the Giver's Facebook page is quite, a, quite an active page. And we often just see these things happening. However, we need to say thank you. Um, so thank you for, for coming to our city and looking after us and, and our people as well. We, we need to say that. So thank you very much. The last, time we, the last time we spoke, Doctor, when you were in the studio, you were involved with a very big project, also the water situation in Nelson Mandela Bay, and assisting with that. Uh, where is that now the, regarding the water uh, your guys involved with? We did, we did two big things, yeah? yeah. The one was the water situation where we drilled 45 bowls, yeah. right? And we were done as far as in terms of cost and what people want to in, intervene. And you guys are still surviving. We thought you guys would be gone, but you guys It was touch and go for a second. We're, we're on a thread, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, and we're hoping the rain falls in the right place. Mm. The second one, and actually there's three. The second one was the big fires you got in last year. Yeah. Mm. We brought in two helicopters, two planes. We brought in, we paid for more firefighters. We brought in water trucks. We opened the boreholes. Your residents were brilliant. They came with their own trucks with Jojo tanks on their own buckies. And then we made water available to them. And we, so we fed the firefighters. And of course, all tanks to win the Fandikert, the, 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 the acting fire chief at that time. And Ratif Odendal, who was the mayor at that time, you know, who called to say, please help. And in five days, we put the fire out, you mm, know. And, and we actually met people in the street crying and said, thank you, you just saved our houses. Because mm. we bombed the, the, the fire from the top with yeah. two helicopters and planes. And, and we put it out in five days. And the big one recently was the floods in your area. The extremes you guys got, you know, the, yeah. the ones that... Yeah, that fire, from droughts drought, to floods. floods. And mm. of course, we, we were busy for quite a few days in many, many areas, in many parts of the city. Yeah. And that same floods coincided with floods earlier in Komani and Port St. John's. You know, so we're involved in floods in those different areas. Mm. So, as you asked me at the beginning, we've been doing a hell of a lot of things. Mm. Dr. Suleiman, just sticking to updates, um, further afield now, though, outside of our borders, um, all the way to Mali. Um, I know that you guys had sent a negotiator out there to go and chat to Al-Qaeda um, for the release of South African paramedic Gerko uh, van der Venter who had been captured in Libya and then sold to Al-Qaeda back in 2017. Just to get an update in terms of how far those negotiations are, where are we standing now? Is the gentleman um, on his way back home, possibly? We're in the final phase, all right? It's, uh, we have developed a relationship, not with Al-Qaeda, but they know us through the intermediaries. That relationship started in 2015 when we negotiated for Stephen McGowan. Mm. When his father came to us in 2013, and, and sorry, 2014, and he said, I've been waiting for three years. Stephen was taken on the 25th of November 2011. And he said, I've been waiting for three years and nobody can give me any information. We made contact with Al Qaeda within six weeks. 
while people are waiting three years through using the right intermediaries. So that relationship, when we got Stephen out, you know, it's a long story, the government eventually had to fetch him because that's how the process works. Yeah. And we even f- uh, briefed the Swedish government how to get their hostage out. But I decided, you know what, let's keep the link with intermediaries because we never know which government's going to need us afterwards. The Italians called us, the Australians came to us, the French spoke to us, the Americans spoke to us, and several other countries came to us, and we kept that link with the intermediaries. And then when Kherko was taken in Libya on the 3rd of November 2017, that's where the complication came. You see, when you want an unconditional release, when no ransom to be paid, the, the, it becomes a problem if the group that has your hostage has paid somebody else for him. Because to them... Now hostage, they want to recoup. Yes, yes. because it's, it's a straightforward business. They've got yes. nothing to do with religion or politics. It's a straightforward trading in commodities. Oh, right? So And they, they put a price. American, okay, $12 million. Uh, French, 15 million euros. You know, oh, plus 10 word. prisoners to be released from jail. Italian, okay, we'll take 8 million. It's fine. You know, South African, 3 million US. I brought the price down to 500,000 US. So, he, he, so we made contact with them. And in the beginning, we said, look, this man's got no rich family. The government's not going to pay, and the company's going to pay, not going to pay. That was the second challenge. Because the company that he worked for, he only started work there like a month or so. The company that he worked for was a Turkish company and three Turkish nationals. I'm not sure if they're family members of the company or staff or high management. Also got taken at the same time as him. But they paid for those three guys. Mm. So now these guys are thinking, but they paid for the three, why not pay Mm. for this guy Mm. too? And that's complicated the process. So we made no progress. We told them unconditional release. They told us get lost. So... After that stage in 2019, when they told us get lost, then COVID came in. And everything went dead. Until January this year, a new video circulated where Khadko was asking for assistance and please, he wants his freedom back. Another video was made in March. And at that point, because we said the time is critical now because we used the opportunity of being Ramadan starting on the 24th of March. And said, Ramadan, generally, you can talk to the the guys in, in Maria, but more open. To, to speak to compared to some of the other Qatar groups in other parts of the world. And we sent a message and we said, look, well, we didn't actually do it then. In April, we did a, a message to say we want to reopen negotiations. But it's un- again, we're asking for unconditional release. And the, the point this time is saying it's the month of Ramadan and we really emphasized the family's got, he's got no income. That's why he left the country in the first place to go and earn a, a living. That's why he's not in his own country. And we said the Turkish people are not going to pay for him. He only started a month or so, so there's no money coming from there. And South Africa have got enough problems the government's not going to pay for, for, for the hostage. So, and then what we did, we made a video from the wife and a video from the child. The child's video was very, very moving. We, we haven't released that to the public. It's just too personal. And we sent it across. And then people in Pelican Park, at the time of fast breaking on a Saturday night, decided to get people of all different faiths together at the fast breaking time. It wasn't a, 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 a protest because you have to be very careful how you do this. It's a placard display. And it broke meals together. And then the MJC, the Muslim Judicial Council, gave a letter and explained from a religious point of view. And they also made a video in Arabic. We sent it across. And we got a response within 48 hours. We received your stuff. Yes. And the tone of the the, the, the response was very accommodating. Mm. We expected if they're not happy, in three days they're going to tell us again, get lost. They didn't do that. They said, we're considering unconditional release. But we have to go through a process. We have to speak to this, that, and the other. And then two months passed, we sent the negotiator up twice. And the aim now is to support what we sent initially, 
talk to the tribal leaders, speak to the elders, speak to in, in the chief intermediary or the chief negotiator and other people all over the area to build a profile, to build leverage. Because Al-Qaeda is dependent on the goodwill of the community leaders and the elders in the areas where they move. And we build that profile. But over a period of time, since 2015, I started putting activities into Mali like what we did in Yemen. Again, to, to win over the communities, boreholes, feeding schemes, you know, meat distribution where you don't see the whole year. And now, right now, in, in my, the father of my negotiator is in a village near Gao. And three days ago, bandits attacked the village. 120 guys on a motorcycle and 600 families, including the father of my negotiator, had to rush out of the village and run. And we've intervened and we've already helped those families. So again, building goodwill in the area. And then we, he's got a very good relationship with, this, with, the, with the heads of state in Mali and the state security. And the state security came to us. They said, in event it happens, we have to be in place. But this is how the system works. Al-Qaeda informs the intermediary that, that informs Mali state security that the guy is in that street number of house number four. You go fetch him from there. Because they don't want to lose hostage after they, they, they must be killed after they release him. So we made the arrangement with state security. But for them to go forward, they need an official request from our government. So I spoke to our state security. The letter has been forthcoming. It had been informed, and they said, we're on standby. So if something happens, we will come, arrange the passport and the documents, and bring him home. So we're at that phase. In the last week, we've heard that in their own discussion within themselves, it's more favorable to release him than to keep him back. And I've been very blunt in terms of the messaging I've sent. And what's in, the, the two things that were against us was the fact that the Turks paid for the other three and that these guys paid a, a fee to take Harko back. And I sent a message to say, look, <clears throat> you guys have made a lot of money from other people. This guy's child has not seen his father for, for five years and eight months. And do you think if we had the money, we would leave him there for five years and eight months? The biggest, besides everything else I mentioned, the biggest plus factor in Kharkov's favor is the fact that he's in uh, captivity for five years and eight months. Mm. Nobody lasts that long. Kharkov has officially become the longest South African hostage in captivity in the history of this country. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. I mean, that's why the, so the story really piqued my interest, particularly because of the thought of his family, his child, not having seen him for six years. I mean, this has just blown my mind now as well. Let me comment on something else. The child says, I go to school and I see the fathers of other kids coming to them to play with the sport, to be in the mm. school with them and doing things. You have to understand the, the emotional and psychological yeah. things. Well, that home. Yeah. You guys just know hostage taken, to take him out, yeah. negotiations. But the behind the scenes thing, a mother who's waiting for her husband for five years and eight months, who now is supposed to keep the fires burning. The hostage doesn't know whether his family is alive or not. Where are they? But something very and the family doesn't know how long he's going to be alive for. But something strange has happened this time around, which has never happened before. They actually allowed him to call his family, which has never happened before. Maybe some new rule, I don't know. But and we he, don't have that experience. You, you said you noticed a change in behavior after you sent them the video of both his wife and then also using Ramadan. his own child yeah. uh, as a message to mm. get his father back. That has to hit hard for any person. Well, when you see that video, it'll hit hard and it'll make you cry. Right. Mm. And then we use the other advantage of the, the pilgrimage. With the, the Islamic year finishes today. The new Islamic year starts tomorrow. Okay. And this month is called the month of Hajj. It's a part of the month of pilgrimage. Again, it's like Ramadan, very significant. So during the days of Hajj again, we sent a message to say, what is your guy's story? Where's, what's the answer? And they came back, they said, look, we are still talking. The intermediaries told us the same thing. 
not one several of them told the same story. We even had people who had seen him physically inside the camps and they said he's fine. Mm. So, you know, he's, in terms of health, he's fine. Of course, emotionally, nobody can say that until yeah. he comes home. The child was saying that my, the kids play with sports with their father. My father is not here. The child has been affected. And we send those kind of messages to them to say, look, it's your choice. And we say clearly, we're not coming back. This is the last time we're trying because even in five years' time or 15 years' time, we're not going to have the money. So we're asking for unconditional release. You keep him or you decide, cut your losses and let him go. We're all very, very optimistic that, you know what, everything's in place to actually effect the relief to bring him home. It's just someone's going to press the button and say, okay, go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problem they have, and I understand it from their point of view, is if they make this, how many more times in the future mm, people are going to come and say, we want to be a president. Yeah. Uh, it's from their point of view. I'm not defending them, but I mean, that's the thing that's probably... That's the thinking. Th- that's the thinking behind mm. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for that update. We're going to have to leave there because we have run out of time this morning. And I mean, there's so much we could uh, talk to you about and the projects you involved in just so much. The list goes on and on and on. So again, thank you so much for all of the work that you do in our city and our province, the Eastern Cape. We're very proud of this province and uh, also parts of the Western Cape. We cover that. But uh, doctor, thank you for joining us on I'll Go FM Breakfast. We'll be watching to see the situation. Um, with our South African friend who we hope to see back in our country and with his family really, really soon. But thank you for joining us and I'll go from breakfast this morning. I think we can give you a round of applause. Yep. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody. You're most welcome. Algoa FM Breakfast is the business.